Hello again, everybody, and welcome one more time to Retro Review with Rob and Terry. I am Rob. This is Terry. And we are bringing you episode number 64. 64. That's eight squared. Yes. You know what? I'm glad you came up with a... Uh, that's uh, two to the fifth. That is something I did. I was... Uh, I'm, I'm impressed, Terry, because I actually wrote down a mathematical notation on this, a mathematical fact about 64, because right, I only have found one, only found one really known athlete for 64 that's uh randall mcdaniel who was a guard for the minnesota vikings made 12 straight pro bowls which is impressive wow but 64 is the lowest number with exactly seven divisors one two four eight sixteen thirty two and sixty four boom so yes well done we both had a we had a, a similar take on the number 64 tonight that's right four to the third four cubed Two to the fifth. You know who else would have appreciated that? Who? Brian. Oh, yes, Brian. Brian, Brian from definitely. The Breakfast Club would have appreciated that part of our introduction because that's what we are doing our retro review on this week is the John Hughes classic, The Breakfast Club. Yes, we did. What a great rewatch this was. Absolutely. I had a lot of fun going back to this movie. It had been a little while. And we're going to go deep into it. We've got a whole lot of stuff to talk about with it. And uh, I even have uh, my own personal fan theory that we're going to get to when we get to round to discussing this movie. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But we've got some other stuff to get through first, uh, some rants and raves. I'll start off tonight's rant with, uh, this is a rant, but it's more of a sad rant, uh, the passing of Ray Liotta this week. Yes. Uh, who has been in a couple of my favorite movies and one of, an all-time classic in Goodfellas. Oh, Yes. And also had a great role in Copland with Stallone and De Niro and Harvey Keitel. Yeah. Uh, that cancer it was, it was cancer, wasn't it? Uh, I think so. I, yeah, I, but he died suddenly. I thought yeah. in the uh, Caribbean. So, uh, well, it, it's a that's a sad a sad loss. If you love movies, then you've you've seen Ray Liotta. His role in Goodfellas. I don't know how he didn't even get nominated for an Oscar for that role. I don't know how he didn't end up just getting more starring roles and big budget movies after that. Why wasn't his career bigger? That's a huge. That'd be a one of those unanswerable questions. Yeah, he definitely deserved more. He was a uh, he was good in all sorts of stuff. I remember Identity. It was a uh, oh yeah that was a that was a cool role in that. He was in a blow as Johnny Depp's dad. That was right. he was yep. solid in that role because he. I don't know. He just, it, just, it was just seeing him in a different light than he normally portrays on screen, and I like that. Uh, but yeah, he used to come through Peoria from time to time. Apparently, there's somebody that lives here that he knew pretty well, and he would visit town and oh, really? they'd go out. Yeah. So I never ran into him. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. He would have been a cool guy to run into, I think. But yeah, well, our, our uh, thoughts and prayers with his family and those of his loved ones as they grieve that loss. Um, for those of us, it's always weird when a celebrity dies because we feel like we it's a one-way connection type of deal. Like, he's been a part of my life since I've watched Goodfellas so many times. And, uh, and so you feel like you know him. Obviously, he doesn't know me, but, you know, so you feel like a connection to them. So, but then was, you have to have to take a moment and remember there are people that are actually connected to him in a very real sense, not as a yeah. fan, you know, but there's family and friends that really are. They're not mourning the actor. They're not mourning the guy who played Henry Hill. They're mourning their friend Ray. So for those people, we, uh, we definitely will keep them in our thoughts and, and, uh, 
and we hope that they uh, they that they transition through this morning period. And um, for the rest of us, we'll be left to, with the, his art to remember him by. Absolutely. All right, Terry, you have any rants? I have a couple this week. All right, let's get one of uh, yours out. Well, first thing, I we're going to be putting up an above ground pool here soon, which is kind of that's a, a rave also. But uh, we rented out at one of them side cutters, so we didn't have to do so much digging to dig out a perfectly flat 18 foot circle in our yard. And of course, the morning of rained most of the morning, and oh, no. he, and from what I've read, I've never used a sod cutter, but apparently it's just a muddy disaster if you try to use one of those things when it's freshly rained on the ground. So okay, that was one rant for the week, but I'm not gonna be too sour about it because we're gonna do it next week instead. My other rant ties back into last week when we were talking about uh, Uvalde and the school shooting, and. I read, actually just today, there have been 20 reported mass shootings in the last 10 days since that school They're, shooting. 20. It's and, insane. Uh, the Gun Violence Archive defines mass shooting as a single incident where four or more people, not including the gunmen, are either shot or killed. That's 20 separate incidences where there's been four or more people injured or killed in just the last uh, 20 days from just one shooting. Something's got to give. Something's got to change. I have that down as a rant, too. The, and then what my is it is where we're going, and I can see this I can see this going, and I see where it's going. Is it lost is going to be the effect. It's, it's, it's going to become a political debate now. It already has. Everything is. You have each side digging their heels in as we speak. And so that means nothing will get done. There's no if they would just get over themselves, put their heads together, be like, "How can we slow this down?" No, we're not going to take your guns. Yes, we're going to do something about trying to keep it out of the hands of crazy people. You know, I just don't understand why these people can't put their heads together and figure out some way to at least stem the tide. But no, they're going to defend. They're going to go off into their separate corners. They're going to refuse to give an inch, refuse to compromise, and we're going to be left with the next time it happens. We'll be like, this will never happen again. And be like, oh, yeah, we said that last time. And it's the same thing. Nothing changes. 20 times and since. And that's, yeah. I don't get it. I don't get it. It was it was horrible at that school. But then a lot of this, yes, is uh, drug and gang related uh, on the street. But some of it isn't. There was a hospital in Tulsa we just read yep. about that had that. Yeah. Uh, Charleston, South Carolina, there was something that went down. I got like 10 people. It was it's getting ridiculous. I'm getting sick of it. People need to stop dying for something that could probably have been prevented. Right. Whatever. Yeah, I, I, I wish... I have I have ideas that I think would work, but obviously I'm not an expert. And But what I know will not work is each side roping themselves off in their own camp and saying, we're not going in, we're not moving. And so what they're going to do is all they're going to do is yell and scream at each other. They'll try to pass something in the House that won't make it through the Senate and all this other stuff. And then once midterms come, the balance of power is going to tip. So nothing's going to happen then. And it's just going to, it's a nightmare, Terry. It's a it's nightmare. Sc- it's scary because all it takes is one person that was bullied, some one person that just ain't right in the head, who took something the wrong way. Yep. Who just wants, it just snaps. Who just snaps, and and they could be in our backyard, you know? They could live down the street from us. Right. And that thought should terrify some of these people. 
and there needs to be something done. That's because these people don't live around the people that make the decisions, and people that make decisions live behind gated communities, and they have security details, and they don't have to worry about it because they send their kids kids to private schools. And so, uh, yeah, I I had that as one of my rants as well, Terry. So many people people vote, but a lot of people are just so untrustworthy of politicians that they don't even bother voting, so it doesn't matter. Anyway, let's move on to some raves or something. This All right, well, I've, I do have one more rant that's a little bit less less uh, <laughs> less momentous as that, and that is that uh, I do not like this. I may have mentioned this once before. I don't remember, though, but when they do the road repair and all they do is the tar and gravel road yeah. repair, it annoys me. Yeah, because you know it's just going to break up once it gets yep. cold again. It's going to freeze and then crack, and then it's going to be yep. right back up. And spring. all it's going to do is kick those little rocks up at the bottom of your car and stick them there with tar, and <laughs> you know, and which uh, which ties into one of my raves, Terry. Okay, is I got me a new whip, as the youth would say. Okay, so yeah, I got a new truck. You did well, not brand new. It's new to me. Yeah, but I bought a Ford F one fifty Triton V eight. Oh my gosh! Four wheel drive, extended cab. Dang, big pimpin'. Yeah, so it's uh, it's got it's got some miles on it, but like I said, it's new to me. So yeah, I mean, still that's a big truck. You're gonna find a lot of uses for that. Yeah, I'll have fun with it. I haven't had a full size truck since I was in the army. Yeah, so now if I need to move some stuff, I know who to call. Thanks. That's right. <laughs> you need to get that bumper sticker. Yes, I have a truck, but no, I will not help you move. <laughs> Uh, it's not a full bed because of the extended cab. It's kind of a shorter bed, mm-hmm. but uh, we can fit the whole family in there. It's seats. It's nice. Sweet, dude. So that's, that's the awesome. first. Yeah, I haven't had a decent car in a while <laughs> because mostly my car's been the ones that I work in for the right. post office. So we never was going to get anything nice. But now that I have a postal vehicle, and we paid off our van, we thought, okay, well, we'll do this. Sweet. I like that. How about you? Did you have uh, any raves? I didn't buy any new vehicles this week, so. Well, well then, I guess I'm superior. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, At least for I this did, week, anyway. <laughs> I got two raves this week. I know you said you weren't, you didn't really get hooked into Stranger Things, but the season four, the first half of season four has been released, and I gotta say, it came out last Friday, and it is Friday again while we're recording this, and Sarah and I finished it already. <laughs> really? Yeah, seven episodes, and yeah. They we mowed right through them. They were great, and they were like an hour and fifteen minutes each, or something like that. No kidding. Yeah, it was, it was some good stuff. So I enjoy All that right. show. I think it's great. And they some people are saying this is the best season yet. And then early reviews before it even came out were saying, "Oh, this is gonna, this one's such a letdown." I'm like, "God, this sucks. I don't want to be let down, but I'm still going to watch it since I've already committed this much." So I uh, I just watched it anyways. I was like. I don't know what they're saying. This is actually really good. And after I got done watching, I went back and read the actual reviews of people, critics and users, and they're much, much higher. Okay. So, yeah, pretty good show. Enjoying it, and can't wait to see it finish off. But if you ever get a chance, try it again. I don't know. Maybe that first season just didn't do it for you, but I, I like it. I'll try. I'll look into it. It's a right second now. season's all right. The third season's much better, and this fourth season's pretty cool. Okay. Well, speaking of things that I haven't watched, I'll, I'll flip the script on that, and I'll talk a little bit about something I know you haven't watched, mm. and that is the Kenobi series on Disney+. Plus. Not yet. Three episodes in, 
best thing Disney Plus has put on. Period. Huh? And it's not even close. Really? Not even close. And Terry, here's the kicker. You don't need to watch anything else before you start Kenobi. Oh, that makes me happy. because then I might You don't have to it. catch up on The Mandalorian. You don't have to watch Boba Fett. You've seen the prequels, right? Yeah, I've seen all the movies. Then you're ready for Kenobi. Alright. I might and, do this. Uh, I would highly recommend it. You will love it. Ruby will love it. It's well done. Very many, well done. How many episodes are there going to be? There's. It's going to be a total of six. There's three out so far. All right. Well, then here's what I'll probably do. I'll wait till all six are out, and then I'll just go nuts on it. Yeah. So only a few weeks uh, away. Yeah. So that's that's what I, that's one of my raves right now. Uh, I got a couple more. Uh, Joey is taking his first trip solo. Oh, well, boy. not solo, but with his friends. They're going out to Colorado. This no week. kid. Oh, yeah, man. for for nine days. How nervous is Crystal? Uh she's probably more nervous than she's letting on. <laughs> probably <laughs> smiling a lot more. <laughs> right. <laughs> Trying to uh, make you believe she's fine. He's got a good head on his shoulders. I, I, I've talked to him a couple times, and you know he's looking forward to having some fun with his friends. They're uh, they're getting an, an Airbnb, I think, out there. They're gonna, you know, it's gonna have some fun. Good for him. Yeah, you deserve it. After graduating high school, you gotta do something fun. Yeah, I went to basic training. That was not fun. Yeah, I I waited about eight months, then I did. <laughs> yeah, I was the next week, man. I waited three days. <laughs> Oof. Oof. It's kind of like what Jordan did. Jordan did the same thing. He was yeah. in basic training a week after he graduated. Yeah, he's there now. I wonder how he's doing. <laughs> I wonder uh, if he. I guess. Zach, we had a, cra- a family text, and he texted me a picture. They get now what they do rather than making you down use a payphone. When they're going to let you call home, they let you voice call, like use a FaceTime oh, on your phone. Nice. That's even yeah, better. So they're able to use their phone and you know call. So they got Zach had a – he screenshotted a picture of Jordan with his shaved head and, and his fatigue. So this is his first week, so he's in it now after <laughs> processing and everything. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's in the thick of it right now. He's hating life. <laughs> I made a mistake. I made a mistake. Yep. That's how everybody feels the first couple of weeks of basic training. What did I do uh, this for? Why did I do? Oh that? my gosh! This is the dumbest thing I've ever shown them. By the time you're Let done, you're like, "Get out of here! Let me out of here!" I tell you what, man. Graduating basics still. I mean, for anybody that's been through, has got to be one of the proudest moments of their life because it's it's intense. It's absolutely intense. So yeah, I uh, I There's remember the reason that. why military Literally. members are so proud of their service because it's it's not easy. It's one of the hardest things you ever do. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, did you have any more any more raves? Yeah, we went to the Good Neighbor Days last night, the carnival here in town, and man, it was like sixty seven and partly cloudy. Just the weather was perfect, and Ruby had one of those wristbands on, so she just went nuts, just oh yeah, riding rides all night. I think we were supposed to get like a one night band, but they gave us the the entire weekend pass or whatever where she can ride rides forever. Okay. So she's excited. And man, I tell you what, if you actually counted up the amount of money and tickets that it would have cost us for the rides that she did and how much she went, it'd probably have been about 200 to $250 wow. for just her. <laughs> Cause she just kept going through things constantly rides or little attractions that cost several tickets each. Sarah and I bought some tickets and rode like the Ferris wheel with her, the the Sizzler little spinning thing that goes around. But yeah, what a good time! It was a great day all around. We just all loved it. And to piggyback on our great day yesterday, uh, 
don't want to call Ruby out on this, but uh, she's never been excited. Uh, well, I wouldn't say excited, but confident enough to really go on a bicycle. Never okay. has. And she, she's nine years old now, but we keep pushing her, but she's like, I just, I don't know, can I go play on the playground? Whenever we go to the park to practice, and it's like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll go on the playground. Uh, but Saturday, or no, not Saturday, yesterday. Yeah, just yesterday. What am I saying? Yes, yesterday, I went and picked her up, and uh, Sarah's dad said, hey, check out what Ruby can do. And then Ruby got on a bike and just started riding down the street. <laughs> it was like, oh, man. I was like, all right. Uh, I mean, I was bummed I wasn't there for the first time, but you know what? I couldn't have been prouder. I right. was just like, look at her go, man. Did, you, did she feel like she's aged a few years just <laughs> once she, she was able to do that? I don't know. Yeah. Something about that. It is. It's a big moment. So they, she got some more bike riding in today, and I already had to do some bike repairs when I got off work today. <laughs> but no, now she can ride a bike, and I'm glad she can because now she's got that confidence to go. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was a good feeling for me and Sarah. That is cool. All right, well, I had one other rave, but I'm going to hold off because it ties into my hot take okay. a little bit. So we'll go to the Terry Thompson Guinness World Record update. <laughs> there were some ones that were just okay this week. So out of all of them I picked, I, I went with a, this weird one. Organizers of a Guinness World Record attempt in Britain said 388 people donned mermaid tales to successfully break the record for world's largest gathering of merfolk pauline barker founder of the uh, devon and cornwall wild swimming group said the official count at the 2022 mermaid challenge at tinside lido in plymouth was 388 exceeding the goal of 301 set by guinness Participants in the Thursday record attempt were required to be dressed as fish from the waist down with bathing suits, bikini tops, or bare chest on top. So, That's incredible. I said, I was thinking maybe me and you should have gone if we had known about it and made it 390. <laughs> I'm not going to England to dress up like a mermaid. <laughs> but they would have been at 390. You would have been part, you'd have been part of a Guinness record. That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I don't even know that many people if we try to break it over here. <laughs> but Gosh. Just start a petition. <laughs> yes. Hey, you want to be in a be a part of a Guinness World Record? Here. <laughs> oh man, that would be a I wonder what else we could do though. Largest gathering dressed up as something. No. I wonder if we could like you remember when uh uh, what was it in the office? One of the Halloween episodes where Jim just put a, a name tag on and said he was it Dave. Was that what yeah. he put on? We should get together and just have a bunch of people that are dressed up like Dave and see if they'll count that for a Guinness World Record. <laughs> yeah, that could work. That could work. If it gets us in the book, even though that feels like a cheat, but if it gets us in the book, it don't matter. We're in. We get the little plaque that says Guinness World Record. We'll display it proudly <laughs> on our Facebook page that's never looked at. That's right. <laughs> I don't even look at it anymore. <laughs> well, we'll proudly display it on our own pages and let our friends marvel yeah. at our success. That's right. Well, how about a hero? Have you got a <clears throat> hero of the week for us, Terry? Oh, yes. I have a hero. This one's actually a hero, you know, a real... Real actual hero. Well, that's good because I I was listening to an old episode, and when we brought out Hero of the Week, 
Remember, we used we used to we originally were going to have it named after somebody. Do you remember who it was going to be named after? It was going to be named after the guy who saved everybody in United ninety three. Yep, Todd Beamer. Todd Beamer. Yeah, I couldn't remember his name. Yeah, so then I was listening. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. We were going to name this after somebody. So <laughs> Terry, here's Terry with this week's Todd Beamer Hero of the Week. All right. It's funny we mentioned him. Uh, Brent Winterbottom was at the right place at the right time this past weekend as he was involved in a heroic river rescue in Chickaloon, Alaska this past Saturday. Chickaloon. Chickaloon. Winterbottom, who is from Monticello, has lived in Alaska for the past seven years while working for the MICA Guides. He was working the zip line for the company for just a second time ever when he spotted a plane crash landing into the Matanuska River. Fortunately, he was able to quickly jump in a utility train vehicle and ride to the water's edge. That's when Winterbottom then tied himself to the UTV and waded as far as he could into the water. Winterbottom said that the plane was completely flipped over and the family latched onto the tires as it floated down the frigid river. They were floating downstream and I kept screaming, jump, jump, swim, to try and encourage them to jump from the tire and swim towards the shore, he said. This is when the man in the crash began swimming against the current towards Winterbottom while clutching his seven-month-old child in one arm. Wow. The man made it to an area in which he could stand up, and that's when Winterbottom grabbed him, and he said that guy was ready to pass out. It took every ounce of that man's being to actually get to that point. Jeez. The other woman in the crash swam to the opposite shore and was airlifted to the rest of her family by a helicopter pilot. While this occurred, the rest of the team initiated the rescue by calling 911 and having an emergency kit ready. We, He said, quote, We as a company rallied in the blink of an eye to help the people we didn't know. I just can't believe how that went down. The timing and the placement of a plane crash like that in Alaska is insane. There's so much land around here where if you go down, you're dead. End quote. That's amazing. So, yeah, shout out to Mr. Winterbottom for being in the right place at the right time and doing the right thing. In Chickaloon, Alaska. Seven-month-old child get to live a full life now, hopefully. Outstanding. That's amazing. That's really, that's true heroism right there. Absolutely. So, all right, well, that has nothing to do with my hot take. All right, let's hear it. But I do have a rave still that has a little bit to do with my hot take. Shoot. Amber Heard realized that the other day was the day she almost beat Captain Jack Sparrow. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Johnny Depp with the win. Yes, he did. (laughs) But Amber's getting two million of that back, so. Yeah, I guess if you you do the math, from what I understand, uh, the five million punitive that that he was awarded... In Virginia, there's a cap of $350,000 on punitive damages. So, uh, and after the $2 million that he gives her, he clears uh, $8.35 million mm. Outside of the appeal, which she says said she's going to appeal. Of course, they always do. So, I guess, if, and then, remember, that he had to pay her $7 million in their divorce settlement. So, when it's all said and done, if he gets his money from her, which is a big if... Then he'll still only clear, you know, less than a million and a half for his ordeal with this clearly crazy woman. Yep, and it's it's nuts that all this national attention to get his name cleared. 
which yes. was the main thing. He doesn't care about the money. The dude's loaded. He's set for life. Yeah. But his name is what he wanted to clear. So yep. he's going to be up a million or so once it's all said and done, if it works out. But He could be up know. a lot more than that if Disney comes back at him to get him in a Pirates movie. <laughs> so, Oh, man, uh, the last three weren't all that good. Well, at least I only saw one of them. Maybe it was the last two. Yeah, I saw yeah, one, I, two, and three. I haven't seen all of them. The I first one's them. great. The first, oh, the first one's awesome. One's classic. Yeah, second and third ones are just okay. But I never saw four or five. Because well, yeah. I, I put on four, but I yeah, I lost my attention very quickly. They still make money, so they'll keep yeah. making them as long as they can make money. But that leads me into my hot take. What we're seeing now is, uh, from the far-left media, is this now calling this verdict a loss for women who are victims of spousal abuse. Simply because... She was proven to have lied. They're still saying that that's bad for women. It, that's a crock. It, well, it is in a way because there are women out there really getting hurt. And to have someone high profile like this out there making claims and then having them shut down. But it's like people don't consider the fact that she's nuts. No, uh, no, no. I, I, I can understand that if it was. A, but they're saying that the fact that she lost. Not that they're saying the system was rigged against her. They're still trying to paint her as the victim. Oh. And I'm that, like, that's a, that's, you didn't watch the trial. Yeah, that is dumb. Because Sarah and I have gone back and watched a lot of the YouTube on it. And it's just, it's head scratching on some of She's it, man. She's clearly lying in her testimony. Yeah. And uh, so for the, for the take to be that, uh, that this is anti. This shows that the United States system of justice is anti-woman. That's ridiculous. It's anti-liar. Yeah. There's a lot of women who thought that Amber Heard was lying. Yeah, and it's like there's two sides to every story, no matter what. No matter what. And did Johnny Depp do some of the things? Possibly. Yeah. And, but you know what? It, it all shook down to these two are not meant to be together, and they were toxic for each other, period. <laughs> yeah. I mean... She needs somebody that can that wants to be around that kind of drama and intensity. <laughs> where Johnny Depp's more of a just chill, yeah, whatever, man. Let's just cool, whatever, laid back. That doesn't go together well. <laughs> right. Uh, You're putting him in a place where he doesn't want to be, and he's putting her in a place where she doesn't want to be. Right. And so uh, yeah, it two sides to every story, and I just glad it's over. <laughs> Yeah, so we can. You know whose trial we should be watching is Ghislaine Maxwell. Why didn't we get to watch that one? Yeah, right. <laughs> but no, we didn't know about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. But and that's what I'm so mad at myself because I did when the verdict was announced. I was listening. I'm like, okay, let's see what they do. Let's see what they do. And I'm like, as were oh. we. They they caught me. They got me. They got me, Terry. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, that's my hot take. Is that uh, it? Doesn't just because she's a woman doesn't mean that her loss is a loss for women. She's a liar, and so it's a loss for liars. Now, women are human beings. They are capable of lying. Some would say they're better at it than men. Some people that want to start arguments would say that. Right. When their wives aren't around. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's it. It's a win for Depp. Hope he gets his money. Um, and glad it's over. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel any sympathy for her at all. But you know, I do feel sympathy for 
is Carl the janitor. Why is why is Carl the janitor have your sympathy? Because he has to listen to these snot nosed punk kids ridicule him every day for the rest of his working life. Just like they did in The Breakfast Club. <laughs> which we are doing our retro review on tonight, Terry. The Breakfast Club was released in on February 15th, 1985. Terry, how old were you in 85? Uh, in February, I was still one. <laughs> Hadn't turned, about to turn two, but not quite yet, huh? Right. Uh, obviously, you didn't see this movie in the theater. Nah. If I did, I don't, I don't think- know. I didn't see this movie in the theater. This is one that I came across on cable TV, and which is where most people have seen The Breakfast Club who've seen it, because it was a cable TV staple for Absolutely. a long time. Yeah, I, I remember watching that throughout my childhood. It'd be on almost every weekend, it seemed like, on some channel. TBS or TNT were the two big ones that always played right. the movies. Yeah, yeah. And like you made you made the the joke last week that you had seen this movie so many times before you actually saw the unedited version. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I had to be change a few of the, a lot of those lines change. Absolutely, I was just like, oh, okay. I, I probably was an adult by the time I saw the unedited version. <laughs> but yeah, what a great movie! Oh, it was good. John good Hughes had a run that is just absolutely legendary, and. Some say this was his apex. Others would point towards Ferris Bueller. Um, but of the two movies, this one I think is a better movie, although Ferris Bueller is probably a little more fun. Yeah, Ferris Bueller is fun. Yeah, remember Home Alone was his too, wasn't it? He wrote it but didn't direct it. Oh, okay. 16 Candles was great. Right. Oh, man, I laugh hard at 16 Candles. Yeah. That, that, uh, such a funny movie. What was the other one? But do you do Pretty, Pretty in Pink? Pink. Yeah, yeah, I didn't like Pretty that one. No? I didn't like that one. I thought it was boring. I think it's 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 more for uh, uh, the girls' demographic, I think. No. Yeah, I did not relate at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, The Breakfast Club, like I said, released uh, February 15th, 1985. Goes for an hour and 37 minutes. This movie was, this blew my mind. And it's obviously, it's 85, but even still. In 1985, this movie was made on a $1 million budget. All those uh, actors were still relatively young, you know? Yeah, they were all young. And uh, there's only 10 roles in this movie. Yeah, you got the main five. You got the principal, the janitor. And you got uh, each of the parents that had a speaking line. Yeah, and yeah, you got Andrew's dad, and then Brian's mom and sister, who are his actual mom and sister in real life. Ah, we got a fun fact in early tonight, didn't we? Snuck it in. All right. It grossed forty five point eight seven five million in the U.S. with a worldwide gross of fifty one and a half million. Yeah, I'm actually surprised it was that high. That's a forty two times over gross there, and that's right. Insane, but I mean, I figured that this mean- one just didn't get traction to the theater. I figured it just got the traction on TV. I think it was a, it was it was well received both critically and commercially. And if you want to fire up the inflation calculator from 1985 to 2022, that 51 and a half million dollar worldwide haul nets out to 138 million. So very respectable for a teen so. coming of age. Not even a coming of age, just a teen movie. 
Yeah, it was after Valentine's Day, so you figured if it came out a week earlier, then okay, you're going to strike gold getting the Valentine's yeah, weekend. That's, that's a good point. Although I don't remember what the weekend would have been. February 15th could have been the Friday of Valentine's Day. I don't even know what it would have been. Mm, okay. I'd have to look at an old calendar. <laughs> Here's the plot for anybody who has never seen The Breakfast Club. This is the plot as the one paragraph plot analysis courtesy of IMDb. Five high school students meet in Saturday detention and discover how they have a lot more in common than they thought. Oh, yeah. That is the most boring <laughs> surface level analysis of this movie you could possibly write. Yeah, how many movies have come out that have that happen in it anyways? You know? Yeah. That whoever wrote that synopsis was just phoning it in that day, Terry. <laughs> just phoning it in. This movie is a classic. Uh it's like I said, it's it's a cult following. It is generational. And watching it again, it doesn't. It didn't even look all that dated. No, I mean it's hard to when you're just sitting in, in uh, a library for the entirety of it, and so the lockers and a few locations throughout a high school. I mean, it's hard to make it look dated. Then some of the lines, however, some of the words they say, <laughs> those are a little bit. Some of the dialogue is a little dated. Yeah. But and even what I was blown away with, and I don't understand how this happened, but even their. Not only their the way they dressed, but also even their hairstyles don't seem dated. No, not really. I mean, you could see Bender walking down the street today with the same exact haircut and the same exact uh, fashion choices, and not it wouldn't it wouldn't you wouldn't blink an eye at it. No, yeah, you might think he is homeless, but I mean. <laughs> But it was it's not it's not bizarre. I think what helped no. is that there's no there's no there's nothing that was super trendy or in the moment included in the movie at the time and it gives it a real timeless feel. Um the the, the glaring thing of course is the lack of cell phones which uh, they all would have had. And, yeah. But uh, you're, you're going to do that with every movie that's after that you know took place before the year 2000. Right. So but so many good things in this movie, a couple of bad and, uh, and 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 an ugly. But the 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 this this movie is full of legendary and iconic scenes. Yes, lots and, of lines. I when I was going through and watching this, like I, I I told you beforehand, I wrote down as fast as I could because so many quotes were coming across so fast that I didn't want to miss any. So I. Didn't even end up writing down the whole quotes, but I had like thirty of them. I was like, "Dang, there's so many quotes in this movie that I, you, when you hear them, you know it's from this movie." Oh yeah, uh, I, I when we were doing this last week, when I was trying to get you to guess the movie, the one that I like, I don't know why I like it so much, but it just fit the character, and it's just something you never hear anything out anywhere else. Is that screws fall out all the time? The world is an imperfect place. <laughs> I love that quote. <laughs> it's just so smart, Alex. And, you know, you could probably try to play it off as being super deep, but he's just right, trying to get underneath the principal's skin, or the, not this principal, the uh, Vernon. Mr. You're not fooling skin. anyone, Bender. The next screw right. that falls out will be you. Yes. <laughs> Eat my shorts. <laughs> right. Now, here's the question. Do you think that that was considered so edgy in 85 that not only would Bender say it as the criminal 
in this stereotype drama, but then it would also be co-opted by none other than Bart Simpson himself. I don't know. What what I I missed I I mean I would have been you know I was 12 years old in 85 or I would turn 12 years old in 85. And I don't remember that being like that deep of a cutting comeback. No. <laughs> Eat my shorts. Yeah. I so let's see it's you know, what else I mean he he does drop a couple f bombs at him later on but he opens with eat my shorts. Well, he just immature. He's still a kid. That's, that, true. that's what you got to remember is like these, even though most of them, except for Molly Ringwald and uh, Anthony Michael Hall, were all already in their mid 20s by then. Right. So, yeah. But yeah, you got to remember that they're playing high schoolers, kids, immature kids. I was at a carnival last night. High schoolers are still very immature. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the thing about getting older, man. It's so tough. Is I'll, I'll look at these guys and I'm like, ah, oh, stupid kid. I'm like, oh, shut up, man. You're don't, you're gonna be the old guy. Yeah. Let them have their fun. You had your turn. Yeah, I know. I'm like, uh, I was probably just as turn. stupid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lighten up. <laughs> I have to catch myself doing that more often than I want to admit. Mm-hmm. Like those dang kids. Yep, I, I definitely was catching myself last night. One kid was acting ridiculous on the ride Ruby was on. I was just like. This kid, he's just an idiot. He just, he just, he just a kid being stupid. Right. Uh, to kind of get the cast out before we go too much further, I forgot to do that before. Uh, we have uh, the teacher slash warden <laughs> Vernon, who's played by Paul Gleason. Yeah, rest in peace. That dude was great. Yeah, he. Uh, He's he's there's a certain roles in movie that that guy was born to play. Yeah, he was a diehard, and you know what, Van Wilder. I don't know if you ever saw Van Wilder, but yeah, he was uh, yeah. the dean there too. I think either that or he was a, a professor. But man, he was he was good in that movie. I, I thought he was just as good in that movie as he was in this one. Yeah, the guy was a is a treasure, and he he found that niche and he knew how to, you know, he he kept himself employed for a long time by playing that certain type of a role and. That's pretty good. Also, you had Carl the janitor uh, with John Capellos. Capellos. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. Then you had now. Here's where we get to the five stars, five members of the Brat Pack. Uh, Andrew, played by Emilio Estevez. Bender, played by Judd Nelson. Claire, played by Molly Ringwald. Allison, who's played by Ali Sheedy, and Brian, played by Anthony Michael Hall. Yep. And so that is our cast of characters. Uh, Andrew being the the jock, the athlete, Bender the criminal, Claire the princess, Allison the basket case, and Brian the brain. Yep. This movie, we're gonna come back to like to some of the quotes and stuff. We'll kind of drop them in as we go, because otherwise we'll sit there and be doing line readings, and that might be kind of what I want to tie this all together. Is this is a great use of stereotypes. Yeah, absolutely is. I was going to say, I, that was one of my good was how they brought it all together. The chemistry the cast had being their own stereotype and the way it worked together was great. Now, the actual acting, not the strongest in some parts of the movie. Right. But you forgive it because the content of it is so good. Yes. Agreed. Uh, which of these stereotypes would have more closely re- resembled you? In your high school days, oh man, I'd be a combo of Brian and Andrew. 
That's where I was too. I was I was in that same kind of realm that cross between Brian and Andrew. Crystal said I was a lot more Brian, but she didn't know me when I was in high school. So what does she know? <laughs> she she just thinks I'm a dork. So hey, I uh, was on the wrestling team. <laughs> I was on the wrestling team. <laughs> I know that's why I said it. Oh, <laughs> you had to wear tights. I wore the 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 appropriate uniform. <laughs> so <laughs> tights, <laughs> tights. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. This movie is a. It, it plays these stereotypes so perfectly and i think it's a great because like you said the way they played off each other shows like because we all know that high school when we went through it anyway i'm not sure now um but back in the day was very clicky yeah yeah this group that group and i what i was able to have is i never fit fully in any group and i kind of like i painted with a lot of different brushes in high school i was on the football team but i was also in the choir I was in the plays and musicals, a show choir, but I also got arrested for kicking the front door of the high school. So I had a little bit of elements of Bender, uh, yeah, a little bit of elements of all these people in them. And so I had friends in every group, but these I could see these people in their different groups. I knew people like this when I was in school. Yeah, so it is very relatable to a wide audience. So, so that's another reason why this movie hits so well. Here's a question. We have these five ty- stereotypes we talked about. The athlete, the brain, the princess, mm-hmm. the, the basket case, and the uh, criminal. Yeah. You make this movie in 2022, what are the five stereotypes? You got to keep the jock, for sure. That's still a thing, yeah. Yeah, I think you got to... Well, I would say the criminal, but... Uh, it's like, I don't know if it'd really be... Uh, criminal be more like the stoner. <laughs> yeah. I think that what and I think too. I think you have to combine a couple things because here's the thing: because we are going to have uh, an LGBT yeah character, yep. That if was, not two, that was what I was going to say next. So that's going to take up one or two characters. It might just do a trans character. We do probably do a trans character by themselves. Another one who is if not if not either lesbian or gay, but would be bi. Uh, you have to do some kind of a racial aspect because this is the white apparently the whitest high school. In the country, that's <laughs> we got we got you know uh, no record of anybody of color in this movie, but there's only ten people, so to be fair, but yeah, exactly. You don't know. Maybe there's a very large amount of black community in this high school. It's in Shermer, Illinois. So I mean, it's up by Chicago. Have you seen John Hughes's other movies? Also in Shermer, Illinois. Right. So we'll come back to that. Very white, but anyway, yes, yeah, so you have to put a, there'll have to be a racial aspect to this as well. Um, which you could also, like I said, you could combine. I don't think it's so much their uh, stereotypic behaviors. I think this would become more of an how they identify. That would be the differences. Yeah, it would be about identity as opposed to you know your group inclusion. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, very well could be. Uh, but yeah, you're gonna have the techie. You're not gonna have the brain. Yeah. You're not gonna have. You're gonna have the guy who's just obsessed with. The internet, the computer, the phone, his everything right. is electronic. Yep. I think it would be interesting to see if you give it to a good writer who could do the same magic that John Hughes did in '85. I would think I would be. I would watch it. I'd give it a try. Yeah, it'd be nice if they made it. Didn't tell anybody it was like The Breakfast Club. That way, people don't set the bar high. 
and they just go point. see it and find out, oh, this was kind of like the Breakfast Club, but I like what they did. Yeah, that's a good of, point. Instead of building up in their minds as a remake of the Breakfast Club. Yes, that that's a really good point. I like that. They could, they should do that. Yeah. Well, let's go through then. Uh, with, with in speaking of those stereotypes, did you have any quotes that you wanted to throw out that you had? I mean, we started up on that one uh, with Bender and teacher there. Yes. Uh, let's see. Here. Hey, how come Andrew gets to get up? If he gets up, we'll all get up. It'll be anarchy. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> I've used that. Maybe not a direct quote of that, but you know, naming it on something else like, well, if if he gets to have a soda, then everybody wants a soda. It'll be anarchy, and nobody gets me. No, I would get you. <laughs> uh, I still use that from now on, time and again. Not as often as I wish I did, though. Another good one was, uh, does Barry Manilow know that you raid his wardrobe? <laughs> That's a very dated joke. <laughs> uh, it's still a great one, though. I mean, if anybody knows who Barry Manilow is. Anybody under 25 even know who Barry Manilow is? Not likely. Not likely. Who would it be today? Who is that joke ridiculing today? Gosh. Does so-and-so know you raid their wardrobe? Trying to make fun of somebody. I have the perfect answer. Please tell me, because I'm drawing a blank. Macklemore. See, I am so out of touch. I don't even know who that is. The thrift shop rapper? I don't know what that is. <laughs> Popping tags? Not a clue. Oh, wow, Terry. Dude, I am I am out of the pop culture. And when it comes <laughs> to music, I'm, I'm in the TV shows and movies and sports still, but... When it comes to new music, I'm just like, eh, never heard of them, not listening. <laughs> and I know I should, but I don't know who that we're, is. We're, we're playing this wrong, Terry. I played that completely wrong. Because what it'd have to be is somebody from the 90s, mm-hmm. and they'd be making fun of how they dress in the 90s. Does Martin Lawrence know, or does Vanilla Ice know that you rob his wardrobe? There you go. Because every principal's going to dress like that. <laughs> that's true. That's probably... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, be two two hits, me hitting you and you hitting the floor. <laughs> is that where this that line came from? It was it I this think movie? it is. I think it is. I don't remember being before this, but then again, I was very young. Yeah, and I, I asked Sarah, I'm like, is this the origin? Because I feel like I've heard it my whole life. I've heard it in many different uh, TV shows and movies. But was this the original? Who knows? If we weren't in school right now, I'd waste you. <laughs> oh yeah uh dick excuse me rich will milk be made available to us we're extremely thirsty sir <laughs> i have a really low de- uh tolerance for dehydration i've, I've seen, seen it dehydrate dehydra- yeah go ahead <laughs> it's gr- i've seen it dehydrate sir it's gross <laughs> oh man oh this movie I- is very quotable i like the when he's crawling through the ceiling tiles and he's just talking to himself. He's telling himself <laughs> a joke, and he says, Naked Blonde walks into a bar with a poodle under one arm and a two-foot salami under the other. The bartender says, I guess you won't be needing a drink. Naked Lady says, and then he falls through the floor. So you never hear the punchline of that, and I kind of want to know what it is. And when they asked him afterwards, 
There was no punchline. He was just winging it. Uh, he ad-libbed it. He was supposed to tell a joke that would end when he came back into the library and said, forgot my pencil, but no one would come up with a punchline for the joke. One of life great, life's great mysteries. <laughs> yeah, that's an itch you just can't scratch. Cause you if I was a better writer... If I was a better writer, I'd come up with the joke. I'd finish the joke myself. Yeah, I should ask you but, to. Off the top of my head. What did she have again? She walks in with a a poodle and a salami. A naked blonde walks into a bar carrying a poodle under one arm and a six-foot salami under the other. The bartender says, so I don't suppose you'd be needing a drink. And the blonde says, and then he falls through the floor, or the ceiling. I did see one answer online, but a little too... Uh, okay. Little, <laughs> Look too adult for this. Yeah, let's just let's just. It's not it's not terrible, but it's just a little too much for this. All right, well, let's just let the sleeping dogs lie, and uh, and we won't worry about it. I'll just have to put it in the back of my head. Maybe sometime (laughs) down the line, I'll figure the rest of it out. Yeah, I another one of my good was on for this was this movie had heart. Uh, It was a good blend of humor and drama. I mean, I, I said that last week about Top Gun with the humor, drama, and the action. Well, this one just. Humor and drama it was it was great. Uh, at the end of this movie, you wanted all the characters to come out standing a little taller and feeling a little bit better about themselves. You weren't rooting right. for one person; you were rooting for all of them to come out of this better, and they delivered it. And I like that. Yes, and that this is a very good example of a movie with a moral. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of movies that um, are about morality. This one doesn't really; th- it leads you. It doesn't push you towards the moral of the story. Thank you. That's a good it way of lets, saying it. Yeah, it lets you get there on your own, but it definitely shows you the way. It could be. It wasn't heavy-handed, but like you said, you weren't rooting for any individual. You were rooting for the group because you yep. wanted to see them come together. You wanted to see these these uh, walls that were separating them be torn down, and to see that happen, I think was like you said, give this movie a lot of heart. Absolutely. Uh, I have a couple of my favorite scenes that I wanted to talk about a little bit. That's the one scene that uh, it, it plays like a music video almost when they're out going to Bender's locker. Yeah. And they're running around and they're trying to, you know, evade him. And which I would love to know the logistics of this school. How's it laid out that every time they run down a different hallway, they come upon him or they know. come up behind him? <laughs> it just seems like either he's walking a lot faster than he's letting on. Or this school is a giant rabbit or a mouse maze that that has lots of dead ends and everything. Yeah, our high school, there is not really anywhere you're going to get hide unless you just went down a floor. And right. hopefully you don't run into them. This one, I mean, it's up by Chicago, so it's probably humongous high school. It's not a small one, so I don't know. Judging by that library, it would have to be a pretty good high school. <laughs> One thing I did like about that scene is uh, they're at his locker and they all uh, run away. And then Allison steals the lock off his locker as they run away. <laughs> and just little subtle things like that that Allison does throughout the movies. I like. And she that. stole his knife too. His knife. That little, yep. His altercation. Now, I thought that was a great scene. You just see a hand coming out. Just leans in. Just leans in and grabs a knife. And they don't even say, they don't address it at all. Later on, nope. we know that she's now got a lock and a switchblade. And so Allison. Is uh, protecting herself. You never know when she needs to be ready to jam. <laughs> jam, yes. That was a dated line because I'm like, who says that? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
<laughs> we didn't talk either, but the I can't believe we didn't bring this up. But just for the sake of conversation, the reasons that they were all in detention. I have them all written those, out. They're all in your, I have them too. We Go ahead. Do you have them in fun facts? Is that what you were going to do them at? Or? Hey, yeah, but hey, we do them right now. Go ahead. I'd say what, the reason I like is because the one scene that jumps out to me that's my favorite in the whole movie is where they're sitting there. And they're all in the circle on the floor, sitting on the floor, and we hear about, we hear about uh, Brian's and Brian's, and then also Andrew. Andrews talk yeah. about theirs. The the reason there, everybody else has kind of came out beforehand. In fact, they mm. never the group never talks about Claire's reason no, that she was. The group there. doesn't. No, they talk about. She it. talked about it with her, her dad. With yeah. her her dad. Yep. And who uh, was? Oh uh, wait, no, never mind person that picks up brian at the end of the movie was john hughes by the way that was his dad oh, okay and uh and then bender his is his is let uh known at the very beginning of the day when he gets into it with vernon yeah he pulls a so, fire alarm yeah so bender pulled a fire alarm that's why he's in detention claire was in detention for skipping school to go shopping brian had brought a flare gun to school that went off in his locker Andrew had gotten into a fight and taped Larry Lester's buns together. Yep. And then of Allison, who had nothing better to do that day. Or did she, because she's a compulsive liar. Exactly. I was going to bring that up, <laughs> uh, because that is her, her deal. She's a compulsive liar, and I don't think they would just let someone show up to detention who was not supposed to be there. Right. Uh, if you had to rank these, as we are so well known for ranking things, in oh, what order do you think the worst offenders were? And okay. that's if we're taking Allison at her word. At her word, she had nothing to do. She's at the bottom of the list. Of course. So she's she's not even in the running. Um, I think second to her, if we're going in reverse order, like, you know, the top ten going five to, lowest to five high. Five to one, yeah. Five to one. I got to go through Claire, right? Yeah. Everybody she's number four. Everybody, yeah, everybody gets to school, school sometime. Um, here's where it gets iffy because these three – the three guys, they did serious things. Yeah. Um, whew, let's see. I would put Bender third. I, I, I think you're right. I think yes, you're right. The fire department comes, but no one's hurt. Nothing dangerous happened. The fire department came, and you all got Did to practice fire drill. Yeah, we had a special needs kid pull. It went. He just uh, he, he okay. was kind of holding his finger up to his mouth, like, "Oh, should I do this?" And he just walked up and did it. And I've we all felt bad for him. And of course, the fire department came. We had to go outside. Right. But, yeah. I remember somebody pulling it when I was there too. I don't remember who it was, but I remember somebody pulling it. But yeah, you're right. It's an inconvenience, but I think you're right. I think that's that's fair to put him at third. Dad. Now number two, this battle between one and two is tough because what one, Brian they, brought that. Flare gun four, as ridiculous right. as it is, as a flare gun, but still but he he brought it to kill himself, and yeah, or did he? Exactly with yeah, was it there to kill the teacher? Because I watched it again, and I've spent my whole life thinking the same thing that he brought that there to kill himself. He never says it. Somebody else says uh, she uh, Ma uh, Claire's character says to him. You know, something. I don't remember the exact quote, but something in terms of that's no reason to kill yourself. He's like, I can't have a B. It's not that he said I had to kill myself because I was going to get a B. I wonder if maybe he wasn't there, maybe for the teacher. I was thinking the exact same thing for the very first time this last time watching it. 
Yeah, oh, wow. We have this. Yeah, I, swear, I swear. <laughs> we're we're mind melded on this thing. Tonight. Yes. I think here's the that is serious, and especially nowadays, especially with school shootings. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime you talk about any kind of a gun, I think that throws a whole lot of weight at it. But the biggest emotional impact, I think, was Andrews when the way he talks about it and how it affected him, and and you know the, what he had what he did to that kid, and then you see it then uh, when he's trying to see it from that kid's point of view, oh, gosh. and the empathy, you know, the, the way how terrible he feels. Uh, yeah. I think his level of guilt is higher than anybody else's. Mm-hmm. But it's still, I mean, a gun is a gun, and a flare gun. Yeah. Even though it was a flare gun, but you know, a flare gun can kill somebody. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I felt that Andrew scene too because I remember yeah. being just doing stupid things as a kid in high school, and there's times when I I look back at some of the things I did, I'm like, God, that was a jerk thing to do, you know? Right. It's like I wanted to reach out to the person and say, I'm sorry if I ever was, <laughs> you ever took that bad, and right. Then they cross my name off the do not kill or people to kill list. <laughs> yes. I remember, here, I'll, I'll tell myself one time. I remember one time I was in high school and somebody had had contacts and I guess there was something wrong with it. And I had never worn contacts yet at this point. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about them. And uh, they were having a problem with their contacts and they were crying. It was Their eyes were watering. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, look, you're crying, dude. And she's, somebody sitting next to me, no, no, that's her contact. I'm like, oh, whatever, he's crying. I remember thinking, I was in the door, I'm like, Listen, you moron! Who are you to talk? What is your deal? Why would you say something like that? Why would you be like that, tough yeah. guy? Who are you? You, you Rambo? You never shed a tear? Give me a break! Yeah, it's just a lot. Of, it's, lot. it's one of those things you're just like in a random thought will hit you. Like, why would I do something like that? Why would I be like that? Yeah, and it's things you really want to instill in your kids hard nowadays because you lived through being like that or receiving it. As well, yeah. and I can definitely feel both sides of that because I know there's times and people said some stuff to me that really got to me and really messed me up for a little bit. So, and I just hope I never cause that kind of distress to anybody else. So, right, and I, I I was bullied as a kid too, so I definitely can relate. So I mean, I think, like I said, a gun is a gun, but if I'm ranking it, which was the worst, I'm taking Andrew same, as the same, first, as the worst. Same here. Okay. I just uh, that's just humiliating in front of a bunch of guys. Like he said, he has to go home and tell his parents about that. And he's like, "How do you yeah. even apologize? How how do you even go forward with saying I'm sorry for that?" And now it's even worse because I see it as a parent. Like, what would I do if one of my sons came home and it had that happen to him? Uh, how broken hearted would you be for them? Oh gosh, how much you would just it would tear you in half to think that they're going through something like that. Yeah. So it would yeah, be, it would be murder. Absolutely, it would head. be so hard. It would be, it would be mm. awful. I'd rather have it done to me. Exactly, exactly. That's a great question, Terry. Yeah, I think I think you go Andrew, Brian, Bender, Claire, Allison in order of severity for their transgressions. Yeah, I was surprised Allison or not Allison, but uh, Claire got a Sunday detention for skipping school. Usually, that was like a uh, you get a an hour after school detention, and that goes yeah. on your record. Uh. Saturday detention. Yeah, I'm saying I normally you would get like I, for me. I think if I would have skipped class, I would sit up. You get detention at the end of the day. The yeah. next day you go. What do we call them? What were they call them? They weren't op hours. That's right, opportunity hours. Yeah. <laughs> and there's people in there goofing off, and the person running it doesn't even care, and people over there smoking in the corner, and 
Jeez. I got. I got maybe got the, two to four of them somewhere in there. For dumb who were we talking? We were talking to somebody, Crystal and I, and about how schools used to be and how Washington used to have a a smoking area. The high school used to have a smoking area over on the by the fence over by what used to be Napa. Yeah, and, and then, uh, then they got rid of that and they took our uh, police officer that was at the school that we had, and she would stand there at lunchtime on the other side of that Napa building just waiting for people to come around the corner. And I remember I was already across the street heading towards Hardy's, and I looked back and I saw a couple girls that I knew, and they both had, right as they crossed that fence, they pulled their pack of cigarettes out and were about ready to light one up, and there she was waiting for them. (laughs) I was like, oh, man, I feel bad for you guys. (laughs) Oh, the old days. Oh, yes. The uh, I mentioned the the hallway running scene. I thought that was amazing. One of my favorite scenes, the scene where they do the confession circle. The closing scene when they're reading over when they, when he's reading the the essay as you're watching them leave, mm-hmm. and then you see Bender walking across the football field, and the movie closes with him, you know, raising his fist up in the air. Yeah, perfect ending. That was a good ending. Can I roll into my bad while we're talking about that? Sure. Let me see. Yeah, because the rest of it will uh, we'll come. We're not stepping on anything. Yeah, go ahead. Don't do your bad. The romance in this movie felt forced. Of all things they said to each other, of all the things that they said to each other, then bam, end of the day, they're romantically involved. To me, it felt unrealistic, and I may be in the minority, but I personally didn't care for it. I just felt like it was too rushed. There's no way in hell either of those couples are going to be staying together long either. Bender or Claire will either will say something stupid and, and enrage the other, and, and they'll split. Allison transforming in one afternoon means that she's going to be... It doesn't mean she's going to be any different of a person, and Andrew will likely will lose interest because he surely didn't show any kind of affection towards her before she had that makeover. All right. I'm gonna argue with you on this. I yeah, Sarah didn't agree with me either, so I don't care. I, I don't you remember what it's like to be 17 years old? How quick your your feelings change on things. Of course, there. It's also you get they, they had real connections, and this is not. They, they probably had deeper connections in that day than they've had with 75 percent of the friends, boyfriends, or girlfriends that he even had up to this point. Some of the they, stuff that Bender said to Claire uh, though was just. Yeah. Vile and just horrible things, and she forgives him. Oh, you're so sweet. I'm gonna kiss you now. Come okay, on, okay, Terry. You've never met a woman who allows herself to be who is attracted to a man who treats her poorly. I don't treat the women in my life poorly. I'm not saying you, I'm saying you've never known a woman who has stayed with a man who treats her poorly. Well, that I do know that, but. That okay. is not going to start off well. And, or even and, attracted to men who treat her badly. They have a whole name for it now. They call it negging. What he's doing, that's a term now, it's a dating term that he use now, called negging, where he's purposely, what they say that the deal is that a man will purposely do these little cuts at somebody <clears throat> to try to, you know, to, to kind of challenge her. Mm-hmm. And it works. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's just, it's ridiculous in my mind. That it, that people fall for that kind of stupid stuff, but like you said, and I did agree with this. Sarah made the same point. They are in high school. They are stupid, and they're gonna just emotions are gonna fly, and they're just for, gonna make bad decisions. 
I did have written down how long are the couples together. I, I think I'm with you. I don't think the relationships last long. Yeah. Um, if either one I makes think- it a month, I'll be shocked. <laughs> the one that, that you mentioned with Allison and the makeover. Now, this is just a, probably a personal preference or anything, but I thought she looked better before the makeover. I, she was. I thought it was more interesting. I didn't like the cookie cutter. Uh, no, because it wasn't her then. It was someone else. It wasn't else. her at all. It was Claire put on top of her. Yep. And so you're right. Andrew liked the Claire version of her. He he didn't uh, go wow at all throughout the whole movie. But when he she was all dressed up and dolled up, he's like, ooh, <laughs> <laughs> she actually looks okay. I liked how I. But then again, that's just maybe a, a question of taste. I thought she looked better before the makeover, but you're right. It, those those romances are probably doomed, but so are most high school room romances. That's true. Did you ever do snowball? One time, it was okay. Not that fun. <laughs> yeah, I I they started it when I was there. Okay, that was when it first got started, and I remember doing it and thinking it was just an amazing thing, and I was shy and. Uh, so it was hard for me to make. I didn't make friends very easily, and Snowball was this kind of an environment. It's a recreation almost of what this movie is, where they put you. You have a. It's like a lock in, and you spend time in, in small groups, and you get a chance to interact in ways you hadn't for. But emotions run high in, in Snowball too. So I think it's because you're 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 young, you you have a connection with someone on a different wavelength. Then you've had connections with before, and you think you're in love. Yeah, didn't work that way for me. <laughs> okay, I almost got in a fight with somebody, and I didn't like him after that. So, oh, well. <laughs> take that for what it's worth. He's probably a decent guy now. I don't know. <laughs> um, did you have any other good that really jumped out at you before we go into? There's some bad. There's some nitpicks in this movie. Uh, no, I mean. Every, the movie as a whole is really... I don't have oh, any yeah. specifics on good for this movie because it's just a lot of it. Yeah. Any other scenes that jumped out at you? Uh, the one of the lines uh, we just talk about uh, when he says, no, my, my weed is in uh, Johnson. Mr. Johnson's underwear. <laughs> Weed's in Johnson's underwear. <laughs> His eyes get that all That was wide. hilarious. Yeah. Uh, when he sneaks back into the library and uh, here comes Mr. Vernon and he jumps under the desk. Oh, yeah. That's another bad kind of, because it's the only desk in that entire library that has a front to it. Yeah. So it's the only one he could hide under, and he hides right in between Claire's legs. <laughs> and then <laughs> that, that scene, though, is funny, because she squeezes her legs together to stop him from going any further. And, yeah. and he's like, ah, and they're just all making sounds to try. Yeah. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on here? I'll figure it out. I'll get to the bottom of it. That's the that's the scene that gets pulled out more than anything. They they try to say that's super pop problematic now, Terry. Yeah, because Bender's a bad boy, that bad stupid right. stupid stupid teenager. That's a rebel, yeah. and he's gonna do stupid things, and that is a stupid thing to do. You know what else was a stupid thing to do? The choreographed dance breaks. Yeah, <laughs> while they're while they're in the library. Yeah, especially the three guys, their little dance move there, uh, as close as they were to each other. No way is that happening spontaneously. No way are they going to sit there and spend the time to practice that move. Just not going to happen. At this point, the movie drives off a cliff in terms of, you know, rationality. 
my least favorite part of the movie. Uh, that was also part of my bad. John Hughes later said that his biggest regret about the film was using the breaking glass effect during the marijuana yes. scene. And I have that there. I, I think I have that as my ugly, to be honest, because glass shattering in movies, I hate it when they do it. And unless it comes from a realistic sound capable of doing that, I don't mind that. If it's a rocket launching, it's a bomb going off, the glass is going to break. Somebody yelling is not going to break unless it is super fine, thin glass with an opera-style voice that can has the power to do that and the thinnest pane glass you can find. Andrew ain't breaking that by going in there and yelling. Right. No, it's it's it becomes that. absurd. That is, I have that in my bad as well. That's one of my Dance the break. movie tropes. I just I just can't stand. I'm like it, it's annoying every time I see it. This whole scene, it, all my bad, comes from this scene basically, and that's the uh, the glass breaking, um, the noise that they're of the music they're dancing and jumping on the the you know the oh, tops yeah. of the desks and everything else. They're supposed to be sitting there quietly, and now you've got music blaring enough that they're all dancing. And is that a soundproof door? Like right. he heard a ruckus. Yeah, I mean they're making a much louder ruckus. And how does he not smell weed when he comes back in the room later on? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of plot holes here. A little, I don't know. And Andrew has a whole floor routine. Worked out that he uses when he gets high. He runs around the library, treats the bookcases like pommel horses. I mean, yeah, who does like that a- when they're high? <laughs> right, that's another thing. <laughs> it's like the John Hughes had never smoked marijuana when he wrote this movie. Apparently, no. Yeah, you got uh, Brian who's acting more stereotypical of it, and Claire yeah, yeah. who were just sitting there giggling and laughing and saying stupid things. And then you got Andrew just. <laughs> tough guy in it yeah, all around Andrew the library. Got, got weed laced with coke or something because the <laughs> <laughs> way he's running around. Gotcha. That's not that's not the right response. That is my those all my bad. And here's my ugly. We'll just throw that out there real quick. My ugly is they're all expelled come Monday. You think so? The ceiling has been trashed in the library. <laughs> the glass door has been broken. There is books that have been destroyed. You're going to still, Carl, you know he smelled the weed when he walked in there. He's telling somebody, too, later on. Carl don't care. Yeah, but if they're, they're, uh, he's, t- if he's blackmailing the principal. But do you think he wants them thinking it was his weed? Nah. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Smells like weed. I think they're all expelled the next day, the next Monday. That's my ugly. Yeah. I don't know if they'll be expelled, but they'll definitely get some more uh, Saturdays. Well, they've got Bender's got the next two, what, eight weeks, seven or eight weeks lined up. So yeah, I like how uh, Vernon gives them the devil horns. Two <laughs> months, I got you, Buster. <laughs> you mess with the bull, you get the horns. Did you have an ugly? That my glass shattering was my ugly. Okay. Any other it. bad that we didn't get to? Nope. That was the romance was my bad. Like I said, it didn't make my ugly, but I just don't care for the romance. Uh, it didn't feel natural of- enough for me. No, like I said, I just, I just chalked it up to youthful exuberance, <laughs> and uh, there were there's there's probably plenty of times I had very shallow interactions with somebody before I considered them, you know, a girlfriend, and <laughs> I was young and dumb. I fell in love <laughs> at the drop of a hat. I was very, very uh, thin skinned and a very uh, 
wore my emotions on my sleeve for quite some time. So as did I. I think it's in our blood. <laughs> yeah. So I fell in love easy. <laughs> then I'd get heartbroken, Terry, <laughs> and then I just grew calluses. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you mature. Everybody does. Yep. You grow up. I do have a a lot of facts. I don't think I got to. Well, let's do those, and then we'll get into some fan theories and my fan theory about this movie. All right, let's get, run through my facts here. Uh, the scene in which all the characters sit in a circle on the floor in the library and tell stories about why they were in det- detention was not scripted. Writer and director John Hughes told them all to ad lib. Wow, I did not. I would never have guessed that. So wait a minute, you're telling me that Andrew. That whole thing about Larry Lester, he made that up? That's what it. What this one of the top facts about this movie was, that they ad-libbed that whole scene. I wonder if they told him like what the case was, but they told him just to talk about it in his own words. Yeah, maybe. Or, uh, yeah, maybe that was it, or they said come up with something. And okay. They thought about it beforehand and had something ready. So they maybe got more natural reactions out of it. I don't know. Uh, let's see here. Judd Nelson stayed in character off camera even bullying Mar- Molly Ringwald and John Hughes nearly fired him over this <laughs> but Paul Gleason who played Principal Vernon defended Judd Nelson saying that he was a good actor and he was just trying to get into character it's kind of funny the principal's go- defending the the criminal there <laughs> the criminal uh i don't know if you have this in your fun facts or not but there's lots of wor- rumors swirling around uh, about John Hughes and his kind of like almost an unhealthy obsession with Molly Ringwald. Uh, not necessarily, but I did read that uh, he had planned to make a Breakfast Club every decade for like see where they're at ten years later, so they'd get back right. together in ninety five and two thousand five and so on. But they never never came to fruition uh, because people had moved on in their careers and. Molly Ringwald wanted, didn't want to be in any more comedy movies. She wanted to be taken serious as an actor. And yeah. you saw how far that got her, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Speaking of John Hughes, though, uh, most people know Shermer, Illinois, is a fictitious suburb of Chicago in several John Hughes films, such as this one, Weird Science, Ferris Bueller, Sixteen Candles, Pretty in Pink, uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. But the zip code that Brian states in the opening of the film... 60062 is to an actual town. It belongs to Northbrook, Illinois, a town about 30 miles north of Chicago. Northbrook was originally incorporated as Shermerville. It changed really? its name in 1923. And one of the main roads, uh, where is that? I lost my spot. And one of the main roads through the town is still named Shermer Road. Glenbrook North High School, on which the film is based, is located on Shermer Road. John Hughes graduated from Glenbrook High School and based his movies on the school and students. The Breakfast Club was the name for Saturday detentions. Oh, wow. Uh, Hughes used other street names in his childhood as, from his childhood as well. In Sixteen Candles, uh, Randy's boyfriend is named Johnny Montrose, which is named after a famous Chicago street. Montrose, yeah, I know that's that. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, I liked that one. I made sure I had to get all of it on that one. Uh, let's see here. I told you about Anthony Michael Hall's actual mother and sister were in the car when they dropped him off. Uh, when they're in that little utility closet, when Bender flinches, when Vernon fakes a punch at him, that flinch yes. was genuine 
Judd Nelson thought he, Paul Gleason was really going to hit him. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, that, that was legit. Uh, let's see here, what else? The dandruff that Allison shakes onto her pencil drawing for snow was achieved by sprinkling Parmesan cheese. Actress Ali Sheedy did not have actually use her real dandruff as she is often accused of doing. Uh, let's see here. Judd Nelson's clothes in the movie are the outfit he auditioned in for the role of John Bender. Really? Wow. Indeed. So he brought his own clothes and then wore them the whole movie? <laughs> Apparently. Either that or they recreated it for him. Uh, Molly Ringwald and Anthony and Michael Hall dated for a while while after filming this movie. Yep. Uh, Anthony Michael Hall hit a growth spurt during production. <laughs> According to Judd Nelson... Hall was shorter than him at the start of production, but at the end of it, he was taller than him. That's got to be an awkward... I think this movie was filled in sequence, too, in chronological order, so he grew that Saturday. <laughs> exactly. Uh, one thing about Anthony Michael Hall, too, you see him as this nerdy kid in all these 80s movies, and then when that dude grew up, he got this big square draw. He's got just a big man presence. He's a big guy. So, I mean, you see him in these shows now, he's... He doesn't look like a nerd. <laughs> he uh, definitely doesn't look like no. the kid from these movies. It'd be hard to believe him, believe that he was if he tried to recreate it for something. All right. Let's see. I got a couple more. In the beginning of the movie, different shots of the school hallways and classrooms are shown. And you can see what the flare gun did to Brian's locker. Yeah. If you've seen <laughs> it before, you know that's what it is. It, you, the second time around, you'll catch it. Right. Also, there's a picture of a former Shermer High School student man of the year. The guy in the picture? Janitor Carl Reed. Yep. (laughs) Uh, All right, last fun fact. In reality, Molly Ringwald could not do the lipstick trick. They had to use different camera angles to make it appear that she could. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I was watching it, and I, I thought the same thing. I was thinking, that... Her head is not going down far enough for that to be legit. I'm sorry. Yeah, it have you'd have to be very endowed, I guess, up there to right. be able to hold it up that high to your head because you your head can only go that far down to your chest. I don't care right. how flexible you are. You'd have to push them up and push your head down at the same time. So that's a good observation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so are we going on to Rob's fan theories now? Well, let me throw two out there that I, I, I looked around and saw that I thought were interesting. They were fan theories, kind of like conspiracy theories about the movie. Yeah. First one being that Bender and Allison knew each other a lot better than they let on from before okay. detention. Uh, he never attacks her at all. Uh, he's defensive of her when other people have talked to her. Uh, and then when they asked, right, when the uh, question is raised, will we all be like this come Monday? She means, and she asks, is everybody or just John? And so she doesn't even call him Bender. She calls him John. So the, the theory is that they actually knew each other and that uh, he related to her, but, you know, obviously wasn't, you know, friends with her because she was kind of a, an outcast, but he related to her and knew her. I'd say that's likely. It's believable. It a poss- believable, for sure. Uh, the second one, I think, is kind of a is an interesting one, is that this is all in Brian's head. 
that he's bored during detention. He's the only one there. He makes up all these other people to fill the time before he writes his essay. Not as believable. Not as believable, but, but it could be. But fun. Yeah, kind of like Cameron making up Ferris Bueller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I still think is a solid, solid fan theory. Mm-hmm. Here that is, one holds a lot more weight. Yeah, a lot more weight. Definitely. And probably holds, holds more weight than my fan theory. But if you'll give me a minute, uh, maybe I can maybe I can convince you. All right. You're not going to try to convince us 2 plus 2 equals 4 again, are you? No, I, I convinced you before that 2 plus 2 does not equal 4. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not like that. Here's my, my, my fan theory that I made up for the events of The Breakfast Club. All right. It's the lost theory. Okay. This Saturday is purgatory. They're dead. There was an accident. Um, either you could maybe call it Brian's. I've, but I, you could play it all off. Is that she, you know, is that Brian, his gun went off and triggered an accident. That's why the fire alarm was pulled. Um, it happened while Larry Lester was getting, you know, police, you know, was, all these things could have happened at the same time. And that this is them surviving purgatory and proving. Now, I don't know how familiar you are with the concept of purgatory as far as it is in relation to the Catholic Church. Is that there was basically three places, three places you go. Okay. You either go to hell or heaven immediately, or you go to purgatory um, to atone for some of the things you had not asked for forgiveness for. And so, a lot of times, somebody could pray you out of purgatory if you had a living loved one who could pray you out of purgatory. Otherwise, you would have to do penance for your sins while you were in purgatory until you had uh, proved your, I don't know how, your, your, you paid your penance and could move on. Each one of these people, you know, were guilty of a sin of some kind and they had to atone for it. Um, you could label them off as, you know, uh, Claire's is pride, uh, as long as it could be Brian's as well. Uh, Allison's could have been envy. Uh, Bender's could have been rage, uh, vengeance. And Andrew's would have been, I don't know, Andrew's, his is just, maybe his could have been, his, uh, his could have been pride as well. Or yeah. that's how maybe I was towards. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, these they're, they're all atoning for these sins. And where I think you can, I can maybe sell you on this is you have two examples of almost like guides for their trip through purgatory. Did you ever read any of the uh, Divine Comedy from Dante? Uh, all I learned Inferno. from the, all I learned from that was what Dan Brown wrote in his books. Okay. Uh, anyway, Virgil accompanies Dante on his trip through hell on up into, you know, as he's going through all of hell, he takes him on his journey of hell. So he's acting like a guide of sorts to Dante as he goes through and sees all that's in, in hell. We have two examples of adulthood represented in this movie. One being Vernon, the teacher, and the other being Carl, the janitor. Now, if you'll notice... They appear to be of a similar age in this movie. 
Mm-hmm. It's not, there doesn't seem to be a vast, but they've both arrived in the same building, but have very different paths to get there and very different perspectives on their own life. And the wisdom of the, the, of the interaction between those two comes from who would consider be considered to be the lower station individual, Carl the janitor. <laughs> Vernon has a degree. He brags about how much he makes. So I think he said thirty five thousand dollars. Thirty one. Thirty one thousand dollars, which you know in eighty five is probably a decent salary, but not you know not a millionaire, but it's enough for him to brag about it. But he's bitter, and he's jaded. And he doesn't want to acknowledge what's going on around him. And the janitor, he's accepting. He's like, this is just how these kids are. He's like, he even tells the kids, you know, you guys think I'm something to be made fun of, you know, but I know who you are. I pick up after you. I go through your lockers. I hear Mm -hmm. your conversations. And so he's accepted where he's at. And he seems to be more content. Yep. So what you have here, I think are two views of the same type of person and who ends up in the same, I said, in the same place, if not the same station. Vernon went to school, and the janitor calls him out on it and says, oh, you took this job as a teacher because you thought it'd be easy, you thought you'd have your summers off, and then you found out it was work. And so if Vernon can represent those dreams you had as a kid or as a, as a teenager, and then you get later on in life and you realize that those dreams meant nothing, that... You're bitter because uh, it, life didn't live up to your expectations and what your your hopes were. And that's what makes you jaded and unhappy. And Carl, the janitor, he just did what he wanted. And, you know, he has a job. It's not a flashy or flamboyant job. It's not like a glamorous job, but he has a job. And he seems to be much more content. And that would be someone who... You know, didn't get their, didn't get out ahead of their of their ship, so to speak. Does that make sense? It does. So you have those two examples for these kids that are coming through uh, purgatory. They never reconcile with Vernon. No, there's no like, oh, you know, we're all this together type of thing, or no mutual signs of respect. He's the villain straight through. The person that they pass. Going out of purgatory into the light is Carl the janitor, the man who was content with where he was and who he was at the end of it. That's an interesting uh, thought process on that, man. You were really dug on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I like it, though. It was That's, I mean, a fun way to think about it. I ain't going to change the way I see the movie, but, I mean, it's, no. a, it's a fun idea for sure. I like that. That was me trying to do a fan theory because I saw that went back to this old episode. I was like, I should just come up with fan theories for these movies. So I'm gonna, that was my first attempt. I, when I come across one, I'll, I'll drop it on you. It probably won't be as in depth, but. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is a movie that was easy because I've seen it so many times. Yeah. That I was real comfortable with it. So, yeah. yes, that's my fan theory that they were in purgatory and them leaving on uh, at the end of the day and each of them to a happy ending was as they were leaving purgatory and, and re-entering the light. So, You mentioned uh, Vernon's salary, and we know it's 31000 a year. You want to know a fun fact about that? What's that? It's not even minimum wage now for in Illinois. But, oh, wow. Well, once it, if it is, is it up 15 everywhere yet? 
I don't think it is yet. I it's think it's going to happen be. like in like two years. I think the whole okay. finished rollout will be. Yeah, it's just under fifteen dollars an hour, <laughs> being the principal of that high school. We need to hit up the inflation calculator and find out how much that is. All right. Why don't you talk for a second? Give some closing thoughts while I. I would say fire up the inflation calculator. I would say we'll we'll talk. We're going to go, go into our Rushmore here soon. Oh yeah, and our Rushmore is going to be Rob suggests this. It's going to be freeze frames in movies. Our favorite freeze frames in a movie. So I I was like, what do you mean freeze frame? And he said, you know, like at the end of the Breakfast Club when Bender throws his fist up in the air and it just freezes on him. And I was like, oh yeah, that is a that is a freeze frame. Okay, so. That really made me dig and try to figure out what movies I thought were cool that had a freeze frame at the end. And I got a solid list. I really like my list. Uh, and I'm going to just tell you right now, this movie ain't on it. I got to be honest with you, this one is my next in. It would be I my next not in, probably. In. Yeah, this one is my next in. I did finally get the inflation calculator just before we jump into Rushmore, just to finish off the thought. Uh, Thirty-one thousand in nineteen eighty-five would be eighty-three thousand in today's dollars. Wow! So he was—that's not—he was living a pretty decent life. Yeah, he's well compensated. Yeah. So, and he was still unhappy. <laughs> and Carl the janitor was probably making closer to that minimum wage in real time in real dollars. Twelve thousand and was whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, it was much happier. But yeah, about Rushmore's what I had what happened was if you listened to last week, I thought we would do I mentioned we should do a Rushmore of our favorite high school movies, and then Terry reminded me, I think we already did that. <laughs> and we had. So we had to come up with something else on the fly. I think this was an interesting one. Yeah, I, I got four that I am very happy I picked. I've got four that I'm very I think happy we'll at two. least have definitely one. Definitely okay, one, think... maybe two. Definitely not All one right. two. Well, let's go. Uh, let's, why don't you fire off the one that you think we definitely share? Rocky three. Absolutely. The final punch with Apollo that freezes right there and, and becomes it, the painting. And then Eye of the Tiger plays. And it's just yep. perfect ending for that movie. Solid Absolutely all the way around. Perfect. And we've talked about that movie many times on this podcast and how great it was. Absolutely. I'll throw a curveball at you here. I have another Stallone movie. I do not. On here. Which one you got? Rocky two? No. First Blood. <laughs> first Blood. The original ends on a First free- Blood. Ends on a freeze frame when they're walking out of the police station and he's got Troutman's walking with him and he's all bloody and sweaty and dirty and grimy and they're walking out past the cops. He walks and looks and sees... uh the cop, you know, the sheriff, I can't remember his name now, it's out of my head. Uh, he sees the sheriff sitting there, and then uh, there's a there's a moment where they both, him and Troutman both, they're walking, and they turn and look to the left, and there's a freeze frame, and then it goes into that slow song that I think was sung by Frank Stallone. It's a long road. And this, that's how they closed the movie out. And so that was another one. Then you see them both looking off into the distance, and right. so that was mine. That's a good one. That's not too bad. I'd say my next, right, next stuff. My next one in here. You. This is the one that we might share. Uh, and it's Beverly Hills Cop Two. Axel Foley looking back and smiling in the car while the song "Better Way" plays. I thought about it. It's an alternate, but I did not have it on my list. It throws back to the first one uh, when he, he's talking the guys into going to a bar while they're on their shift, 
And he looks back and says, trust me. And that ends in a freeze frame, too. But Beverly Hills Cop, too, he's been living in this house the whole time that wasn't his. And are you sure this is a relative of yours or something? I can't remember what it was. And then as he's hopping in the car, the owner walks up. Hey, somebody want to tell me what's going on here? What's with the black guy in the car? (laughs) (laughs) And he looks back and smiles. And it's just almost like a throwback to trust me. (laughs) Yes. I uh, I recently rewatched the first Beverly Hills Cop, and uh, it hasn't aged well. Nah, not really. But it's still a no. good watch. But I, you know what? I remember thinking I, because uh, I loved Beverly Hills Cop two, and I saw Beverly Hills Cop two before Beverly Hills Cop, and I'd only seen parts of Beverly Hills Cop, the first one. This was the first time I'd watched it from start to finish, mm. and I'm like. I didn't think it was all that great. I thought the the sequel was much, much better than the original. I got that trilogy somewhere behind me here. Yeah, I've watched it many, many times. The third one sucks, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, third one's hard to sit through. I remember that. As a kid, I enjoyed it, but going back and watching, I'm like, this is a bad movie. <laughs> all right, what's, uh, what's your next one in? My next one in, what I did Rocky III, First Blood. I'm going to do my next one in because I'm going to leave my my favorite one is for last. Me too. Okay. So my next one in, and I don't know if you even saw this movie, but it was one of those things that in the moment it really got me, and that's uh, The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke. I considered The Wrestler. I thought, okay. yeah, that was a cool way. It ends on him. Then I thought to myself, do they really freeze frame at the end there? And so I Googled it. And I watched the video. He jumps off the top rope, and the background is still kind of moving, and it, it never freeze frames. But, it, I mean, it's basically a freeze frame, even though it's still live action going on because you're just filming a wall, essentially. But that okay. that movie ends on a powerful note there because does he survive that jump? Does he, Or is this his right. uh, last time he's doing it because this is what he knows? That was a good movie. Maybe it was the Mandela effect. Maybe he didn't freeze frame, and I just thought he did. No, he didn't. Yeah, you don't see his face. He's he's completely off the screen, and you can see the right. background still kind of moving. But I, I considered that one. I mean, to be honest, it's a good choice because right. how powerful a moment that was in that movie. And I was surprised how much I liked that movie. I thought it was just going to be okay. Yeah. But it was a solid role from him in that movie. Absolutely. I really liked that movie a lot. Yeah, good choice. Good choice. All right, Terry, what's next for you then? We actually have done a podcast on this movie. And that is Bloodsport. I saw that one on there. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, I knew that one from memory because he gets off the plane and he throws his hands together and, and bows his head and then looks back up. And the song Fight to Survive plays and it shows all of Frank Dukes' records before it cuts to the credits. <laughs> I mean, after watching that movie, that was just a cool way to end it. And I love that movie. And that was just such a fun way to end that one. So I had to throw Jean-Claude in there for this one. I hear you. That's a good choice. And that's one that I definitely thought about when I was putting this list together, especially since we had done the podcast of it. Uh, so is that, is that all you're for then? That's, I got three. I got my okay. best one for last. All right. I will remind you that the category was best or favorite freeze frame shot. Not ending. Not necessarily. Not the ending. Yeah. We may share two then. No, I, no, mine's the ending. My other one's the ending too. So okay. I just, I, I, All right. I, I considered that when I made my choices. Okay. 
My last one, my favorite one, is from Goodfellas. Okay. Oh. And it's from the beginning. It's the beginning where they've got the guy in the trunk. Yeah, yeah. That's, and they're okay. stabbing him. And then there's a freeze frame. And Henry Hill's character says, all my life, I wanted to be a gangster. Yes. And I just remember that was just, oh, that's just done. Chef's kiss. It was perfect. I should have done that one. Uh, I like my four. Uh, but, yeah, if I had to knock one out, I could easily put Goodfellas in over uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Okay. But I mean, they're both great. <laughs> yeah. That was, yeah, that was a great scene, great movie. We've talked about Goodfellas many times without doing the podcast. but I know. There's several movies that get talked about a lot on here that we haven't done podcasts for. Yeah. Uh, Goodfellas, Dark Knight, Departed. We're just going to have to do a run where we just do all these movies that we keep talking about all the time just to get them out of our heads. <laughs> I think that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so what's your final entry on your Rushmore then, Terry? I picked this one because it had the most impact on me. I mean, when I first saw it, I had chills going through my body. And that was the movie cape fear when juliet lewis's eyes are on the screen it zooms into her eyes and then the color of the screen goes to a negative effect and so it, the whole screen's kind of white with her eyes on there and then it bleeds into red and it plays that ominous music in okay, the background that's a good choice. oh my gosh i still i can feel that i watched it again i was like oh god i remember how i felt when i first saw that and it's that movie can it freaked me out, and I, I probably mentioned it before, but that I was I was scared to death when I was a kid. I was like nine when I watched that, and I, a nine year old should not see Cape Fear. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Yeah, like I said in the, in the previous podcast, I thought De Niro was on, under my bed. I thought I was scared to death, <laughs> <laughs> just like he was under that car. I thought he was under my bed, and <laughs> man, Cape Fear is a movie I want to go back and watch again sometime soon. That's a that's a good movie. That's a great movie. Gosh. Man, De Niro is so menacing in that movie. Max Cady. It's just, he's just, it's, you're right. He definitely scares you. And it's not a, you know, Freddy coming at you with metal, you know, metal claws. Where it's just, you, this guy was, there was something broken inside of him mm-hmm. and you knew it. Yeah. Oh. So, anyways. Great choice. Great choice, Terry. So, those were our Rushmore's of favorite freeze frame shots. I had Rocky Three, First Blood, The Wrestler, and then Goodfellas. Terry. Yes. Remind our viewers what yours were. We had Cape Fear, Rocky Three, Bloodsport, and Beverly Hills Cop Two. All right, so we shared one, and uh, but that Rocky Three one—that's a great one to share. That's a, I'd love to have that painting. Yeah, Leroy Neiman. Even a replica. Even a replica. All right, we'll mark that down. Crystal, if you're listening, watch. I know you're not. <laughs> Rob wants this poster. Yes. Add it to the list of things I'd like to have for movies. If I was loaded, I would definitely be one of those people that bought movie paraphernalia. Absolutely. If I had money to just throw away, that would be some of the things I would throw it away on. Yeah. I, I, I would love to buy movie paraphernalia. When I was living in an apartment, I bought a couple movie posters and put them up, and I thought it was the coolest thing. Nobody else seemed very impressed, but I liked it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I would go nuts on it if if I had an unlimited bank account. Yeah, I'd love to have the original Star Wars 
posters for each of the original trilogy. I'd like to have that. I'd like to have a, uh, uh, well, let me see, like the Rockies. I'd have the Rocky posters. I'd like to have a pair of Rockies gloves. Oh, that'd be cool. Maybe one of the Rocky movie championship belts. <laughs> yeah. A friend of mine's got a movie room set up in his house where he's got the, some nice recliner chairs, and he's got uh, movie posters of his favorite movies on the wall, and they're just hung out perfectly. He's got the surround sound in there, 85-inch TV. You know, he's got his whole movie room set up, and kind of jealous of it. I don't really have a movie room space here, but it... it pretty sweet to have one yeah someday someday when you know when this podcast makes us when we're getting joe rogan money from spotify uh then we'll we'll have a a movie room all right (laughs) (laughs) all right terry what are we doing next well you tell me if it's too soon to do this but uh i had already picked this before you told me breakfast club and I almost balked at doing it because it's another high school movie. But it's Dazed and Confused. Which is, I wanted to do it now, now that school's getting out and everybody, it's summertime. Figured it was a, an appropriate time to do it. What do you think? You want to you wanna think- attack another one that kind of high school related? But I think it's completely different than The Breakfast Club. I've been thinking about it through this whole time we've been talking. Yeah. I, I think it's a completely no, I different like, movie. I like the choice. I like the choice. It's a great movie. All right. Well, that's the case. Then we may have a special guest next week on the podcast, being uh, one certain wife of mine who adores this movie, and she, Sarah, will likely be joining us next week. Um, I just have one thing to say to that. What's that? All right. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, All right, well, at this point, we want to give our viewers a chance to tune out if you have not been to the theater yet to see Top Gun Maverick. Because Terry and I are going to do a rapid review of Top Gun Maverick and our thoughts on that movie. Um, If you're looking to avoid spoilers, then now is the time that we would say thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. And uh, this is your final warning. We're now going to talk about Top Gun Maverick. Terry! I loved this movie so much. It was uh, it was way better than I expected, and I haven't said these words to you yet, but I think it was better than the first movie. And I I agree. I, I think it was better than the first movie and too. I, that was for me. I like Top Gun a lot, so the bar was set kind of high for me. And so I just when I walked out of that theater, I just like this is the so good. And before I even said anything, Sarah, who usually doesn't react greatly about a movie, she, I mean, she'll say, oh, yeah, that was a really good movie. And uh, But she was like, she looked at me, and I could tell with a look in her eyes. She said, this, that movie was amazing. That was an incredible, incredible movie. And I, I was like, I know, right? So, yeah, she loved it. I'm glad we went and saw it together on the big screen because that's a movie that needs to be seen on the big screen. Absolutely, 100%. I took Zeke with me to see it. Zeke, Zeke, what did you think? What did you think of Top Gun Maverick? It's a really good movie. It's a really good movie. Yeah, it was. It was a good one. It's my new favorite movie. That's awesome. Let's jump to the top of the list for Zeke. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 
Yeah, so we got to go see it. We were real excited. I remember, we just sitting there, and, and we get done, and Zeke's like, that movie was awesome. <laughs> it was so good. It was so... I wasn't... Before I started hearing reviews about it, I was thinking, okay, I really hope they do it justice. I, I was hopeful that they'll... And then I start seeing all these, like, this movie's way better than you'll expect. This movie's so good. And I it, it caught me off guard. I, I just... I still even reading those, I thought, okay, hopefully. And it absolutely delivered. There are more fighter jet scenes in this movie and action scenes in this movie, and they're way better done. And oh yeah, so absolutely. so good. The drama in this movie is real. They couldn't have found a better play- person to play Goose, uh, a Goose's son, excuse me, Rooster. And gosh, just so good. I mean, Tom Cruise crushed it. Uh, John Hamm was good in it. Ed Harris was good in it. Uh, Jennifer Connelly was good in it. I mean, just all and those young pilots, they were all they were all great too. Oh yeah, they, they the chemistry between those guys was great. I, I I loved it. I thought it was really good, and you felt the first movie a lot without oh, yeah, without it sure. being corny, and that is so incredibly hard to do because you're like you've already done this before, you've already done this before, but they executed in a way where it still felt fresh and it, it was. Um, walk down memory lane for those for us who have seen it a hundred times and it was still fresh for the people who haven't and i did i did i did the watch i watched the top gun and then went and watched maverick within two days so i watched top gun within like 48 hours of going to see maverick and it was a great continuation of that story it was believable you believed that he'd gotten to this point in his career and the way they set up in the introduction in the beginning uh with him you know, why has he never gone farther down? Why is he still just a captain and a test pilot? But I love, too, that the way they incorporated were able to include Val Kilmer's character. Oh, gosh, I Iceman. To him. Yeah, and how they, they played real life into the movie was, you know, it's like it almost sits on your chest a little bit, you know? Yeah, I love the fact they got Val Kilmer in there. And he did force his voice out. And that legitimately in real life is hard for him. So when he actually talked, that was him. That wasn't. Oh, oh, wait a minute. That that wasn't actually him. It wasn't him because he can do. They that. used they. He can't talk at all right now. I thought because he uh, got the thing. He's got the thing. What they did was is that they took uh, the computer generated all of his lines from other movies he's been in. Okay. To form his voice to do those lines. Really, I thought he yeah. was just using his thing. No, and no, they no, kind of uh, fixed I, it up a little bit so it sounded better. I, that wasn't him then. That may that may he may have been actually saying it, but you notice he doesn't press on it the way he does when he has to talk. Okay, as much on, in the movie. Oh, so it was okay. uh, it was some some computer help, but that was what I thought was so impactful about that is that you know that that's what he's staring at in real life, and it yeah. kind of like took you it took you that little break in the movie where you're like oh wow that's right this is real, and uh, the relationship that develops between Iceman and Maverick over time in the movie, I think is great. It's so cool how that worked out for those guys. Yeah, I I love that part of it. I do have one nitpick about Iceman. I don't think there was any need for him to die in this movie. There was no need. I mean, he dies so quick, and everybody's at his funeral, and they're right back at it again. It's like, eh, he was close to death, but he's able to sit up and talk and type and everything, and move around pretty well it's like uh, that one i i just i didn't think it was necessary okay i see where you're coming from but other than that i mean i loved the fact he was in the movie you could have just left him off and said he was no right. longer in command 
I mean, I mean yeah. but that's another question I had for you because I must have missed it. Uh, is he officially out of the military? Or did he just have pull still because he attained such a high status in the military? And I bet he's still... Here's the thing. Where they play with... with uh against reality there is a hard out at some point in the military mm-hmm. where there's an age there's an upper end where you're just gone unless you're a general mm-hmm. or an admiral now ice could have stayed in because he was a commander of the pacific fleet according to the movie Cruz, as a captain i think he hits a hard cap and he's gone 60 i thought for this yeah it's in it like 60 or something like that oh it's if i think for unless you're a general it's younger than that younger than that really because i i worked with guys that were in their mid to late 50s when i was in the guard and that was where they retired was like once you got to that point maybe i'm wrong but i was thinking especially too as a pilot maybe yeah because he's still flying i don't know then again tom cruise don't look 57 or 58 or whatever 59 or whatever he is no if I had one nitpick, and well, still, I still want to talk about the action scenes. I still want to talk more about the action scenes, but to go along with one nitpick, I think you could have had Kelly McGillis in this movie. I do too, and I, I don't like that they didn't they kept her out of it. And yeah, she don't look the same as Kelly McGillis from 1985. She, she aged like a normal person ages. <laughs> right, not like Tom Cruise. Not like Tom Cruise is <laughs> defying uh, all reality here. Uh, but yeah, she could have been phoned in or something with some sort of counselor or some sort of advice. Because she was a, what, a astrophysicist, right? I don't know. But she, uh, and the character, the character, yeah, the character was, yeah, she would have been definitely someone who would have been a, uh, I guess if she had stayed, we have no reason to think she wouldn't have stayed. Her character wouldn't have stayed in that work because she came back to Miramar for that person. person for that purpose to keep that job so yeah uh i think that the actress kelly mcgillis probably sunk her own ship so to speak (laughs) over the years from our stance she's had less than positive things to say about the movie and about tom cruise too so yeah she also but i think it would have been cool she came out and said she just didn't think uh it just don't make sense for her to be in there the way she looks compared to tom cruise and lots of other things and I was like, yeah, not as a love interest, but you're still there at Miramar, like you said, to be the expert yeah. on the foreign and they, planes, you know? If it was that big of a deal, uh, this would open a whole can of worms. Yeah. It would have <laughs> it would have thrown some water on it. It would have dampened the party vibe a little bit because you could have de-aged her a little bit to, to make her look like Cruz, but then you're going to upset a whole different set of people. Yeah, and I, I don't like that. But so, it makes sense that she wasn't in it though, and that and yeah. y- you kind of knew that they weren't going to stay together because he's a fighter pilot in the military. He's going to be all over the place. Is she going to be flying all over the place to stay with him? Not likely. He's probably going to go around and not really set up shop anywhere until he's grounded. Yeah. So that's why he comes back to this uh, Jennifer Connelly's character in this movie, and I don't remember her name, but I don't either. Yeah, <laughs> Jennifer Connelly. She's Jennifer Connelly in every movie I've ever seen her in. Yeah, she's got a weird. It's not. She's not weird looking. She has. It's a very distinct beauty, and so it's hard for her to be a character in my eyes because I see her and she like grabs your attention, but she's not cookie cutter, which you would consider normal beautiful. She's just, she's just gorgeous. She looks and like she's just general. She's got a she's Jennifer Connelly. Hillary Swank vibe to her. Where <laughs> so <laughs> she's uh, it's Hillary Swank. No matter what gorgeous. you see her in. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the action scenes, those flight scenes, yeah. in the those were real. They're pushing real G's on these actors, and that was the thing. Can you imagine getting a call from Tom Cruise? Says, "Hey, I want you to be in a movie with me, but you're gonna get just destroyed going up to this movie." Oh, absolutely! That that'd be nuts going into that. And the dude is oh. in his late fifties and still doing that. Oh yeah, he's he's something else, man. He's just not aging at all. But this those scenes were so phenomenal. I want to go see this movie again. Yeah, I I, I would like to see it again. I don't think I'm gonna rush to the theater though, because Jurassic World coming out and a lot of other things right. going on right now. It's a, I think Jurassic World will be my next watch. But anyways, I'm absolutely gonna see this again when it's streaming. Whatever it's gonna I be texted. On. I texted my brother. I texted my dad. Hey, go go see Top Gun. It's oh, worth it. Absolutely. Go see Maverick. It's worth it. Here's a question for you, Terry. Is this the last Top Gun? Yeah. No, I don't think it is. I think you franchise. You got IP now. You know we're in the age of IP. That's true. Look at me Transformers movies they made. I don't know. I don't think Tom. Cruise... You don't need Top Gun. You don't need. You don't need Tom Cruise. That's true. But he's he's the pole though. That was the the thing because here comes Maverick back. He's that, the draw now, but those that type of action scenes, I think you could get another one. I think this could be a franchise. Uh, you could do one. Top but Gun Rooster. You, yeah, well. All right. Uh, let's look at some other franchises that thought this was a good idea. Uh, let's hear Men in Black was great with Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. The first two were great. Third one was kind of a dud, and they were like, you know what? We don't need Will Smith. Let's do it with Chris Hemsworth. How'd that movie do? I don't even think it made its money back. You know, uh, Terminator. Yeah, they keep going on it. You notice how those movies make less and less money as time goes on. Because <laughs> people just aren't as interested anymore. Uh, I just, I really don't think that you can. I Just in my opinion, I, I, I don't want another one. I, I want to stop here. I think it's a great way to go out. Let me throw another franchise at you. Drones are taking Maybe- over. Yeah, and the, the, the stories you could put in with that. Yeah, I don't know. I just I was so in love with the way this movie was shot. How it was a simplified, just a fun theater popcorn movie. Absolutely, you don't get those anymore. It's not related to any larger universe. There's no social commentary. It's just hey, these are pilots. They fly planes. That is bad. Let's check it out. Watch them fly. Mm-hmm. The scenery, the shots. All of it, just amazing. Yeah, and I want more. Yeah, here's here's my my format for how you could do it. Okay, like Rocky transforming into Creed, the Rocky movies, and then you have Creed movies where Stallone is a part of it, but he's not the main story. This one was a good transition because you had Tom Cruise as a part of the group. But you can easily pull him back out, and he's more of a mental, uh, mental, mentor type of figure to these other pilots. And maybe he does, maybe he gets 15 minutes of screen time, so still Tom Cruise, but it's the younger kids pulling all the weight. So this movie was like the Rocky Balboa of the franchise. Yeah, and then next up you've got Creed. Rooster. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Top Gun Rooster. Top Gun... Uh, <laughs> you know, what was the girls, the one... Female pilot's name. Phoenix. What's her name? Phoenix there, yeah. <laughs> How could I forget that? I know, right? I knew it was the reason I was thinking about it. Like, I, I was like, Crystal's going to see this and she's going to think that our name wasn't so unique. 
my my thing with this, I think, is also Michael B. Jordan is was a huge draw right at that time too. And he's kind of hit struck while the iron was hot. He was perfect guy for it. I don't think Miles Teller is a, as big of an actor. I don't think he's a guy. It might be after this. I don't know. That Fantastic Four movie really hurt him. That was bad. So, but this I'm, this is a this movie broke records. Yeah. Oh yeah, it did. And for not being a like you said, a franchise, not a Marvel movie, not a Star Wars movie, not some a Jurassic Park movie, you know. And it did it basically on its own. Granted, it is a sequel. Thirty right. year, thirty seven years later. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> or no, with eighty six. I don't know. Who cares. But yeah, it's. I don't know. It, it, it will. It, to me, it's it's like a fresh movie. And I just I don't. That was, I don't know about a sequel. I just it'd have to be really, really, really well written. Yeah. Uh, I I I I think it could happen. I think it could be done. Um, what I mentioned, I want to mention again, is that the fact that it wasn't a a franchise movie. It wasn't a MCU. It wasn't Star Wars. I think that is cool because I don't want Hollywood to get to the point where all they do is the Marvel formula. Yeah, and I hope they stay away from it with this movie because that's they might make some money. I don't mind sequels, but what I like is that this was not a superhero, not supernatural in any way. This was a rooted in reality action movie that was just incredible. Yeah, it definitely was. I, I loved it. And, and it might also attribute to the fact that this is uh, another movie that people that aren't Marvel fans were thirsty for a big yes. budget blockbuster to hit the theater. That might have just... Everything might just landed just right for that to be the situation, and it okay. came out before Jurassic World. It came out on Memorial Day weekend. It was it had a lot of things working for it. That's fair. All right. Well, if uh, if they do make a sequel, we'll have to go see it for sure and see which one of us were right. <laughs> yeah, but the amount of money that this movie made is gonna be hard for them not to. Yeah, I, I like you said though. I, I love those action scenes. Uh, they were just so cool and. I like how the movie played with the fact: Is Maverick going to survive? You, you, you had they plant that oh. seed in your head. I didn't tell you. I was online scrolling through Twitter the other day before I went to the movie, and somebody posted on Twitter, uh, "I can't believe Maverick died. What a terrible way for that! What a terrible thing to put in that movie." Well, you shouldn't and be on I Twitter. Just got, <laughs> I should have known better. I wasn't paying attention. I didn't think that. That that the Top Gun was a movie, and I remember sitting there fuming. I'm like, "You got to be kidding me! No way!" And so I was just like, "Not that he died, but I, I cannot believe that somebody would do that. That they would spoil like that." So when they went in there and his plane explodes at the beginning, I'm thinking, "No, they wouldn't." They at the at the beginning at the beginning of the movie, he's gone. Not when the movie's named after him. The, then he walks into that diner, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, but then you're right. I thought they were going to kill him too the yeah. whole movie. So I was pleasantly. Surprised. Well, you knew you you saw that beforehand. So that seed was planted because of Twitter. I was thinking yeah. that purely because of the storytelling. It just they make you they lead you down that path, thinking, hey, he could die or Rooster could die, and they right. have you genuinely thinking they ain't making out of this because of past movie experiences, uh, the way it plays out. One of them's going down. Which one's it going to be? And when they both come back, it's like, oh, all right, they 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 uh they did it. They made it out, and you think it's over, 
Okay, now they're on the ground. Crap, what are they going to do? How are they going to get out of here? They steal an F-14 Tomcat. That's what they do. I loved it. That was I love a great that. scene. And then, oh, crap, here comes uh, specialty fighters, whatever, the new technology. And then they're just about to die because they're out of flares, they're out of missiles, they're out of bullets. And then here comes that cocky guy come in and take them out. I mean, it was great because they talked about teamwork. And it's like, Psh, here we go. Yep. And John yeah. Hamm's character... Uh, just coming around near the end of the movie, I loved it. It's so good. I uh, I definitely if I this is me if it stays here in Kiwani for a couple of weeks, I'm gonna be too much tempted <laughs> to go see it again. Well, Jurassic World uh, comes out next Friday, so you better. Well, we're losing a spot then because they'll have that there. So uh, if not, this will be one that that I'll be looking forward to watching again and again on whatever streaming service it lands on. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. Did you have anything else? I did not. All right. So dazed and confused next week. Indeed. And I look forward to uh, that. She'll be that her fourth appearance. I think so. Yep. Yeah, because she did Clue, Jack, Dirty Dancing, and and Dirty Dancing. So, all right. Well, dazed and confused next week then, Terry. All right. Sounds good for all our fans out there. We appreciate you. We hope you enjoyed as much as we do for retro review with Rob and Terry. I am Rob, and this is Terry. God bless you and good night.